Welcome to The Breadwinners, a podcast about the never-ending hustle and its impact on all aspects of our lives. We're interested in what it takes to keep everything going. This podcast is about working, family, research, and policy. We consider the research, talk to experts, and share our takes on what we're all learning about breadwinning. Each week, I'm joined by Jennifer Owens. She writes about working, wellness, and women, and founded the Working Mother Research Institute. And I'm joined by Raquel Ellison. She's an executive coach and management consultant who works with companies big and small to design workplace policies that work for all employees. Well, today we're going to not be talking about being employees, but being employers, being entrepreneurs. And I mm-hmm. found this stat for us that in oh, 2019, always good stats, that in 2019, American women started an average of, wait for it, 1,817 new businesses per year, no, per month, per week, no, per day, 1,817 new businesses per day between 2018, 2019, which was down only slightly from a record that was set in 2018, meaning we do it all the time. We're always doing it. The pace was off by four per day, you know, so it's the, the gap between the record and the reality is, is not that much. Do you have any sense as someone who has been an entrepreneur? Yes. To back up, at Working Mother, we're often, you know, hashtag publishing, but often called upon to cut pages because, you know, there's an add to edit ratio. We'll do a whole episode on that and it'll be sad. But when the ads didn't come in and you had to cut a page, one of the pages we would never cut was the one about entrepreneur moms. That's what we were calling it by the time that I was running the magazine. And it was often, here's what would happen. A, always did it. People love that column, you know, people making their own way. Nine times out of 10, it was a kitchen table kind of startup, bootstrapped. And often because at this moment of transition in their lives, they saw a gap. It just that story told over and over again, some gap between I couldn't find what I wanted as a product, as a service. Mm-hmm. My career was changed, so I did it. I'm not surprised, I guess, that women are starting this many businesses. So I'm wondering what it makes you think about. I know we're, we're about to talk about our friend, Maura Ahrens Mila, who talks about the, the rise of entrepreneurship porn, this idea that it's so attractive, this concept yes. of independence this concept of being able to create your own fortune, which. Oh, and there's no headaches and it's, there's, you know, you're supporting your family. You're a girl boss. You're what, you know? Yeah. Yes. No. I mean, I think that's really, that's one side of it that I'm thinking about. (laughs) There's a reason porn, people like porn. (laughs) (laughs) It's very attractive, I guess. I don't know. Exactly. Uh, You know, like cottage porn, you know, all those like those silly things that they do. Entrepreneur porn is very real. And I would like to say that we tried not to do that with that column, not getting defensive at all. But we did try to tell an actual story like, so where'd you get your money? You know, how did you feel confident enough to step away from you know, semi-guaranteed salary to do this. And there are always stories of daring do. Yeah. I think there are great stories. Kara Golden of um, Hank Water, she's got a great story. I think she was, I'm going to get this wrong. She was in a corporate job, had four kids and decided on her weight loss journey, I think, that she didn't see any kind of 
flavored water that wasn't, you know, highly caloric. So yeah, she went on that road and it's been hugely successful. But I think yeah. one of the other pieces, a quote from Mora that is not widely known, it was on an old podcast that, that I hosted. She talked about the idea that, and I, I don't know if we can equate these two things, but these the idea that what women need to do in the workforce often is to create their own brand, right? In order to yeah. be, I think the way she said it was, you know, you've got men who can, and this is the way that it was, and this is the way it was in old times, as people say, but you can go out after work, have drinks, that whole old boys club mentality. Right. And women don't necessarily, their careers are interrupted by caregiving and they might not be able to participate in that club all the right. time. Right. That path isn't a straight shot for them. Right. right. But by creating a brand, you know, which may or may not be its own company, they you can kind of circumvent some of those challenges that circumvent, like that word. Yeah. Some of those challenges that come up culturally and kind of practically for women who are building their careers. So it's interesting to me to think about the what more said on both ends, right? There's entrepreneurship porn, but then it's so important for us to create our own brands. And yep. And then we talk about the challenges that come special to women. I, there were stats back in the day when I was watching this more that the most entrepreneurial cohort were Latinas. You know, so you add in the, you know, the added cross barriers of female, like working parent, woman of color, and it just makes that path all the more challenging. And you kind of look over and think, you know, I'm a pretty smart person. I have a network. I have an idea. I'm going to go for it. You know, if you keep blocking someone's path, this other path appears. Don't you see it? You know, you can totally get why you'd want to go. It seems riskier, but maybe I could do it. But some of those risks that come with it, all those columns that we did about bootstrapping your own business, there are stats and they're terrible. It's single digits of the amount of investment, venture capital money that goes into women-led firms. You see these stories, these terrible stories every once in a while of women founders going out for funding to either launch or to grow to scale and having to take a guy with them like I did when I took my dad to buy my car. you know, to get taken seriously. Maybe I just read all those stories. Like I'm just, you know, they're like my horror stories. The stuff that keeps me up at night, like, I can't believe this happened. Don't go in the house. That these stories of having to have like some guy sit there. Don't go in the house. Don't go in the house. I I think when I was part of a, we can call it a tech startup. Yep. When I founded that. So I had as you know, I had different types of businesses. I still have um, my executive coaching business. I had this startup that had a tech component to it. And there were two women, essentially middle-aged women who started it, uh, me and, a, and another woman. And we were- Middle-aged women doing a tech startup? What are you, nuts? <laughs> well, that was really the reaction from folks. It was, it was and yeah. we, we were focused on moms specifically. Or working parents. I think there were only three strikes in baseball right now. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, and there was a fourth strike. There was a fifth strike. 
is that we didn't have the tech background. So we were sort of learning right. on the spot. How so dare you? To bring a guy in who... <gasps> so you did do that. Well, surely you went to Stanford. So you had that going for you. Right, surely. <laughs> well, so Am I me? I was like, I don't understand what's happening. <laughs> Stanford. Yeah, so you no. did the guy thing? Oh my gosh, I don't think I knew this part of your story. Oh yeah, yeah, we <gasps> definitely did. And it's interesting, you know, when he didn't come with us to pitch very often. It was just, he was sort of the tech guy behind the curtain. It was, you know, his face was our pitch deck. And I mean, that, that's not to say it was just symbolic. He was Yeah, involved. yeah. You see this in companies and C-suites and where they always have, you know, uh, Carol Evans, my spirit guide would always say that, you know, staff roles go to women, yeah. like the chief HR person, many times female. And that's a different topic. But, you know, then they tout, look, we have a woman in the C-suite. And it's like, yes, yes, but you don't have any women bringing in revenue that is part of your C-suite. Your chief of sales is not a woman. And so they do that and they show diversity and the like. And so I kind of like, I like this flip. Is when, you know, I like it's through the looking glass. Like, see, we got a guy. It's okay. We're all right. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think that was that was something that we felt we had to do. And when we didn't pitch with him, we talking about today is like my name dropping podcast day. Oh, please do. Yes. So my co-founder and I were featured on a podcast series where they sort of followed our journey as women entrepreneurs, as middle-aged women entrepreneurs. <laughs> Humble brag. I got interviewed for it. Humble brag. Humble yes. brag. Humble brag. <laughs> when you listen to, so one of the things that they did, we were in an accelerator and we we did a pitch competition and in front of judges and a couple of the judges were interviewed for the podcast. You could tell there was, I don't know if it was because we were moms, we were focused on working parents or we were women. I'm not sure, but you do get the sense when you listen that there's the some there's like, oh, that's cute. <laughs> yes, I, I was. That's why I was like, like not. Oh, you're playing at this, or yeah, or oh, good for you. Or your worldview, yeah, good for you. You're, you know, you guys can talk to each other. It's like, no, no, we're here to play. We're here to get to win this this pitch battle. That said, you know, there were two other. I'm sure there are more, but there were two other working, no, three other working moms <gasps> in the group, you know, female mom entrepreneurs in the group. One had a cleaning supply company. Mm-hmm. One had a wedding dress company and the other one had a jewelry company. And it's interesting, like, are there certain entrepreneurial, they, they all did very well in the pitch competition. Um, are there certain entrepreneurial kind of you know, was it because we were in the tech space and that was more of a man space? Was it because, you know, who knows? I don't know. But interesting. They did. They did relatively well. Yeah. That is a microcosm of what the trends say about it's been a little while since I looked at these stats. I'll look them up uh, for links and stuff. But the VC funding that goes to women led firms is minuscule that we could say. Yeah. And why is that so important? Like not every company wants to scale because once you're in VC world, one of the drawbacks is that they invest expecting to make money. 
you know, and so they, they may push you to grow faster than you want to make decisions you didn't want to, to serve the responsibility you have to return on their investment. Right. And so you do find that women-led entrepreneurial companies tend to be more stable because you didn't have to deal with that problem. Right. <laughs> but those are the companies when they get big money and they scale and they're able to get the resources they need, they get to have a long enough runway that you can support your family while you try to get this great idea off the ground. That's how you get to be listed on the stock exchange right. and go public. And that's how you get to sell that company for millions. And not that you can't do it fully bootstrapped. There are always those stories too, but there are way more men getting invested at early stages that then go on to get the bigger bucks. You know, they, right. you have to plant, you do need some soil around your seeds to let them grow. Oh, soil around the seeds. I am just making up metaphors this morning. The coffee is starting to flow. It's happening. <laughs> I was in a group for women over a certain age. I don't know. And uh, led by Faye Penn, who's the executive director at women.nyc. Women. NYC, that's what they're trying to do. They have all different types of programs. I heartily recommend them. And what they're trying to give women, they were bringing together this cohort of women, some of them at various stages of launching businesses, you know, from idea to I've done it, now I'm wondering what to do next. But to give them the base lesson and language lingo that you need, you know, because you as you start to walk into the entrepreneurial world, if you've never been in that world, you don't know some of the acronyms. You don't know some of the things that will be expected of you. Mm -hmm. And I applaud her for the work that women.myc is doing to just say, you know, it's just a skill to learn this uh -huh. stuff, this language. It's there's no secret. Right. And if you all meet each other, then you can become supportive to each other. You can look out for each other just like the men are doing. Right. Yeah. I think we know that there are a there's a number of people in our in our network that create these communities for women. Yes. And, you know, I think it's really, it's powerful. Those are helpful. Because yep. being an entrepreneur can be really isolating. It can be really scary. Yeah. And I think it's needed, this, you know, this community. And I think there was, a, yeah. you know how I sometimes reference my TV, my TV. <laughs> I have the metaphors, you have TV, and together we are the breadwinners. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a show that I love called Search Party. Have you seen Search Party? I have, but not until, and now we have Search Party Corner. Not since they moved it, it's on HBO, right? It's we on haven't. HBO Max. And so yeah. they have kind of a, <laughs> there's, there's a, a spoof on one of those communities, and it's, which is not to spoof the the wonderful communities that are out there. Yes. But they have one of the characters who decides that uh, she has to make $250,000 in a couple of weeks. And so she's going to start a business. <laughs> she starts okay. so she goes to one of those events and they said like, well, what's your kind of raison d'etre? And she said, yeah, heartbreak. And she <laughs> And then this, like, I think she calls herself like the something of femployers. And so this, like Guru says, like, what's your heartbreak empire going to look like? And then it turns into this whole like, 
you know, like this and yeah. without going into the plot anymore. I think there's one of the things that I think we've talked about before is there's these communities that are really practical, that are offering great advice, that are offering community. And then yeah. there are. Yes. In, yes. We are going to look at entrepreneur porn. We There are predators in that space, I think, who who may not see themselves as predators. They see themselves. Exactly. I was I completely, I completely agree that I, in the back of my head, my thought it's along the same lines were, you know, there comes a moment when, when you're trying to get something off the ground, having been there that you're like, well, maybe they have the answer. Maybe they have the answer. And, and they don't, you know, some of that answer can only be found within. And I think as my, my longtime pal, Kristen always reminds me that I love to say, pick a horse and ride it. Right. Keep it to a dull roar. How many of those organizations, just like you would do if you were going to look for a church, you know, right. or a therapist, like try them out, see how they do, and then find the one that, that works for you and stick to it. Because it, you know, you'll spend too much time in the, you know, at meetings and events and stuff like that. And it's just, yes, I, I am totally speaking from experience. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, maybe that will help. Maybe that will help. Well, no, you know, what's going to help is, an organization that is great is called SCORE. Yep. And SCORE hooks up people who are retired often, I guess. is that what it, they, They're very experienced and mm-hmm. they will mentor you and you can kind of filter out the topic that you want. And I had a lovely SCORE mentor when I was trying to focus on business development. And as a good friend of mine, because I had a support network of fellow entrepreneurs who I love, one of them said, put more business in your business. And that really stuck with me. Because I could do the creative stuff. I could envision what the project should be, mm-hmm. but how to draw in more business and do actual business development, I didn't really know other than using my own networks. So I worked with the SCORE mentor. Oh my gosh, what a great guy. Completely not a, an older guy. Uh-huh. He had been in sales all his life. And he just said, you know, it's a numbers game. Yeah. You got to have lists. You got to reach out. You got to have your pitch ready. Yeah. You have to evolve your pitch. And it was just, Hey, let me just fast forward you and say, you just got to do the work. Yeah. Like, oh, okay. So I'm going to stop being in 8 million seminars with a trick. And this guy is going to say, this is how I built a career on sales. Yeah. It's a numbers game. More no's than yeses. And the yeses will drive your business. Got it. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. That's a pretty, pretty easy equation to remember for sure. And by the way, that's a free service score. Yes. It is a free service. And if that's also not the right group for you, I will not be offended. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yes. But I think another group that I have liked a lot in the past, uh, Laura Minot, who was on our episode 32, Fly Female Founders. I'm going to link to a recap of an event they did, which was how she built that. I just love it. Just women just sharing their stories. Yeah. Because can we say that I tell you 99 times out of 100, especially women to women, and I must say I mostly do it amongst other women, so I can't test for men so much. But if you ask someone how they did something, what it cost, you know, what were the pitfalls, people don't mind sharing. No. You know, you, you want to make it tight, you know, and don't bother them 30 million times. But I mean... The number of times people have helped me and like sped me along, I rarely has anyone said, no, I'm not going to help you. (laughs) Right, right. No, it's true. It's true. There's some giving people out there. Yeah. 
Now, would you do, would you do like that whole pitch thing again? If you had a, you know, like a big idea for that? I know I totally put you on the spot. I mean, that was a lot. It was a lot. Would I do it again? If the right idea came along and I really believed in it, I, I don't think I would do a tech startup again. Really? No. Cause I didn't, you know, I, it was fun. It was exciting, but there was a lot to learn and I wasn't an expert in it. I was an expert actually yeah. in the subject matter, but I wasn't an expert that we tried, that we addressed in the, the target mm-hmm. audience. But I think I might've done it differently. Interesting. My entrepreneurial stuff was totally solo entrepreneur, bringing in contractors as I need them. It's a totally bootstrap, you know, it's so totally a different thing than this, you know, I want to launch something massive. So yeah. It was very impressive that you did that, by the way. Thanks. (laughs) A little nuts, but thank you. Yeah, totally. Well, thank you for joining us on The Breadwinners, and I hope you do this again. (laughs) Hashtag segue. You will find links to what we discussed in the episode description. Email us anytime at thebreadwinnerspod at gmail.com or visit us at thebreadwinnerspodcast.com. Please remember to subscribe to our podcast and to rate and review it. It really helps us grow. And until next week, keep hustling. This podcast is part of the Sound Advice FM network. Sound Advice FM. Women's Voices Amplified.